Farrell takes the tap, boots it in the touch, and England have escaped the Fijian onslaught in the second half. They have booked themselves a spot in the Rugby World Cup semi-final 2023, where they will await the results of South Africa v France later this morning. A valiant effort from the flying Fijians. In some way, Steve Devine, they earned it. They deserved it. They just couldn't quite get it done in the final stages. And they will go home bitterly disappointed. Yeah, another gripping quarterfinal. All four of them delivered. England, yes, beating a very impressive flying Fijians. The flying Fijians head home, but full of love and admiration from the rugby world. Every single one of their games, absolute belter at this tournament. But let's get our eyes and thoughts on the side that did prevail through to another Rugby World Cup semi-final. We are delighted to welcome in a fine broadcaster out of the United Kingdom, knows the rugby game and the rugby scene up there incredibly well. Great to have him back on the station is Mr Andrew McKenna. Andrew, great to chat to you. Did you have England uh, making it further at a World Cup um, than the English cricket team on your bingo card in the last couple of months. <laughs> well, yeah, hey, I was just thinking about that, listening to what you were talking about, the Cricket World Cup. Who would have thought that after England produced the biggest World Cup shocking Cricket World Cups when they lost to Afghanistan the other day, it would only last a couple of days? Does that sound familiar? On, on uh, Ireland, New Zealand play the greatest game of rugby union ever and it lasts 24 hours till South Africa and uh, France get it on. It, it seems like sporting history is being made about every six minutes at the moment, doesn't it? Um, To be honest, um, there was always a chance that England were going to get to the semi-finals, and I'm not going to go down the whole thing again, but because of the groups and the draws, uh, therefore all they had to do was perform anything like, and they were going to get through the group, and then it was a case of who did they get, and you know what, they actually played quite well against Fiji, so there was always a chance, but I I think the thing for, for a lot of people is that if I mean, I'm a completely sad git. I've recorded every game of this World Cup tournament. Um, if I was to pick a game to go back and watch from the weekend, I'm probably not going to pick the England game. It would be the Ireland-New Zealand one or the France-South Africa one. So what I'm saying is, yeah, they might have won, but they're still not winning the hearts and minds of, of the rugby world, but they are at least winning games. Indeed. Well... How did they beat Fiji in the end? And what has that done for, I guess, the overall confidence of where this team is currently situated? If I'm honest, I was a little bit disappointed with Fiji. I I thought they had their moments, but they weren't as clinical as what they'd been in previous games. So I think that was a big part of it. England actually started well. That first sort of five, ten minutes, you know, getting an early score on the board, of course, always helps always settles you down and they were able to get their studs into the ground and get a feel for it. Um, They're going to need that and so much more when they play South Africa, because they're a very well established, very well drilled side. So you've got to get your basics right. You've got to get everything right. You basically, in my opinion, if you want to beat South Africa, you've got to be virtually perfect. Um, And at the moment, I'm, I'm not sure England can be that, but they're certainly improving. And in Steve Borthwick, they've got a, a really intelligent man who knows his rugby inside and out. 
they'll be working on a plan. They'll be working on something that they can try and exploit. I'll be honest, I'm not sure what it is, but they'll be trying to find something. Uh, Andrew, you, you probably know this, um, you know, being uh, in the media, we, we get wonderful sort of post-match reports, uh, you know, post-match analysis, courtesy of uh, World Rugby. And there's this uh, one great line uh, under positive outcomes. And you do wonder if it's been written by a Frenchman or uh, a New Zealander. <laughs> I don't know. It says positive outcomes. Considering the game plan is to kick the ball away and avoid errors, England are making lots of errors. There you go. What a, what a truly, what a truly glowing endorsement of a team that won a game and got through to a semi-final. Yeah, and I guess that's part of the issue is that Steve Borthwick only came in in let you know let's let's basically say it was January. Um, there is still a lot of work going on behind the scenes to actually get them to do what he wants to do. For anyone who's not aware. Steve Borthwick is a coach who is, and he, he'll deny it, but he is pragmatic. If it's in our half, it's going 60 metres with the boot. He was exactly the same when he was the head coach of the Leicester Tigers. He coached them to be premiership champions. He's brought in the same game plan and look at the team sheet. There are an awful lot of players who are either still Leicester Tigers players or in George Ford and Manu Tuolangi players who have been Leicester Tiger players. So he's going to guys who he's trusted and who effectively he knows that they understand what he wants. Now, they've tried to let it a little bit off the leash. The, the selection of Marcus Smith at fullback, I mean, a, a, a month ago, he would have said, not in a million years is that a Steve Borthwick selection. Bear in mind as well, Freddie Stewart is the Leicester Tigers fullback. Freddie Stewart has started every game under Steve Borthwick until last weekend. That was so far left field, it had almost come all the way round and hit you back from the right-hand side. Um, but maybe they've just said, we've got to let it off a little bit. It'd be interesting to see if they do it again this weekend. I, can't, I cannot think that they can because South Africa will just pepper Marcus Smith with the high ball. But, hey, look, maybe this is Steve Borthwick and he's seen something a little bit new. Uh, maybe this is the start of, of something different from him. When I look at that English side, I see a whole lot of talent. And the results have been really confounding and confusing to me over a longer period of time. Uh, I think they should be winning more, especially in the lead-up to this tournament. They've done nothing but win so far during the tournament itself. And there's a lot of names that seem familiar to this stage four years ago, need I need to remind New Zealand rugby fans. So <laughs> is there... Is there a one in a million game in this group of players? Because I, I well, think they need it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And sorry to do this, but let's go back four years. I mean, they produced that what was the most stunning of performances in the semi final. Can they do it again? Quite possibly, as you say, there is a whole lot of uh, synergy. There's a lot of um, the same players still in and around there. To be honest, that's partly the reason that Eddie Jones got the boot because we all know that in the four years between, well, three years between World Cups, that's when you do your experimenting. That's when you try things out. He wasn't doing that. He was playing the same players all the time and, and we didn't really learn anything. We didn't try anything. We didn't experiment with anything to see what we could do. Therefore, we've kind of come back and, and we're still with the tried and trusted to, to a greater or, or lesser degree. So, yeah, absolutely, they, they can. Um, I think it will be Owen Farrell at 10 again this week. 
I mean, after the Argentina game, you know, round one, I'd have said, in fact, I did say on social media, I cannot see how you drop George Ford after single-handedly masterminding a win like that at a World Cup. But unfortunately, it now appears that Owen Farrell is the man. You can't play the two of them together. It doesn't work. You need two proper uh, centres who play week in, week out at 12 and 13. So it's going to be Farrell. So, yeah, look, it, absolutely it's possible. That, but as, a, as we both said, They've got to be perfect. They've really got to be perfect. Any areas, and they'll have a problem. But a one-off game, I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't write off their chances. You can still get, with the English bookmakers, about 14 to 1 on England to wow. win the World Cup. <laughs> Bearing in mind, there's only four teams left. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> Ah, another backhanded compliment. Uh, now, now, Andrew, you understand this. In England and English media especially has an ability to pump up one's tyres uh, when things are going well. We've got a little clip we'll play from a, from a dear South African friend who was on the show yesterday uh, for some context. Roll the tape, Brian. This reminds me a lot of 2019, but the roles have reversed where England were the clear favourites after getting through you guys, and then we were the, the big underdogs, and everyone sort of rid us off. And what scares me the most with England is they almost have a free shot. It, it does feel like they've them getting the semifinals yeah. when people didn't think they'll get the group stage at a stage. So them being in the semifinals, <laughs> they've got nothing to lose, which is which, which is a very scary. And I, 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 I'm, I'm petrified of England this weekend because just of the fact that they've got, they've got nothing to lose. No one expects them to win this weekend. And it's, um, it's a dangerous prospect to be unless um, their own media types them up too much as they tend to do. So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, just sort of, but um, yeah, I think for me, it's I'm really scared of England. But I mean, it's 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 weird to sit, to be favourites in a World Cup semi final. It's not a place we we tend to be in, especially playing in England or Wales. So, but yeah, I mean, the dream is to play the All Blacks in the final. That's the dream. But um, yeah, I think I think this weekend's going to be bloody tough, mate. Well, Andrew, nothing quite like see-through <laughs> South African humbleness, right? Uh, <coughs> uh, but what well, a free shot for England. And the English press, are you talking them up? Are you are those tyres super inflated? I think they're flat. I, I think the English media is quite still quite down on them, right? Uh, they are improving. Um, they, they are sort of coming round a bit. One thing I would say is you you can say what you like about the English media, but we won't go out catch a, a single pass, um, go for a single kick. And by the way, they, a lot of them are very good friends of mine and. Thank God they're not out on the pitch because a lot of them, but good dear me, that would be a horrible sight. Um, yeah, I suppose we do we do get a bit excitable as an English media. Uh, and I dare say, come the weekend, the front pages of our tabloids will be, you know, all sorts of kind of stuff going on there and whatever. But I know exactly what was said there, do you know? I, I, and I kind of I kind of agree with it in a way that no as we've just said. It, the bookmakers still don't think that England can win this tournament. So it is kind of a free shot. Everyone's going to be talking about South Africa. And for, for a couple of weeks, England have probably gone under the radar. Does that make them more dangerous? Well, actually, now we've got down to a final four. Probably not. But as we've said, they started at quite a low base and they have improved as they've gone through. The question is, at what, at what level are they now? What level were they last week? And what level can they get to next weekend? 
you know, if, if we're looking at a board game, how close to square 100 are they? I would still say they're quite a long way off. To me, yeah, to me, they're in the six. They're, they're in the sixties at the moment. They're, they're not anywhere near square one hundred. But I tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me if they were high seventies or low eighties at the weekend. Is that good enough to beat South Africa? Probably not. But I wouldn't say that with any confidence. Couple more before I let you go. Nothing more boring in my mind than rugby fans angst over refereeing appointments. Uh, already the conspiracy theorists come out. Oh, all, all Southern Hemisphere refs. Oh, Ben O'Keefe's already done South Africa. He was done South Africa twice. They've lost one. They've won one. What do you make of the referee appointments, if anything? And if you want to pass this one on, feel free, mate. Feel free, Andrew. I, I won't care. No, no, no. Not a problem at all. I was I was a little bit surprised. I'll be perfectly honest with you, because if you I, I'm I might be completely imagining this, but I thought it's certainly in the soccer World Cup that when the four semi-finalists are known, they stand the officials down from those countries because they they say, well, look, we don't want any insinuation, we can't have any, uh, mm. and we've got plenty of other good officials. That would be a kind of point that I come here is the fact that did they did they need to? I mean, I think Luke Pierce is one of the best referees in the world. I'm astonished that he didn't get a quarter final and he didn't get your semi final. I mean, I would have thought he'd be nailed on. Let's be honest. If England get knocked out this weekend, we're all pretty much convinced Wayne Barnes gets the final, aren't we? So I think that was the reason he was held off there. But I was surprised Luke Pearce isn't involved at all this weekend, either in terms of, you know, doing a major game. And also, I mean, I've made a prediction a couple of weeks ago. I thought Nikirama Shikali would get one of the uh, semifinals or be involved in one of the semifinals. Because I think one, he's a great official, and secondly, it spreads the love a little bit. So I, I can I can understand why people are going. Well, hang on, but at the same time, if we've got the best teams, and I know I know what I'm saying here, and I'm opening myself up to the fact that two of the best teams are knocked out of the tournament, but the best teams that are left in, you got to go with your best officials. I mean, from reading the statement from World Rugby today. Yako Piper probably would have got one of the semi-finals if he was fit, but he wasn't. Um, so, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm not one of those who gets stuck into officials. You know, you can say they missed this, they missed that. But you know what? An official has never dropped a pass. An official has, has never kicked a ball directly into touch. You know, just deal with your own stuff and, and, and worry about that later because, you know what, you've got a referee, you've got two assistants, you've got a TMO. It should all come out right in the end. So I, I don't buy into these conspiracy theories, I've got to say. Well, Andrew, it's a treat to hear you um, on the programme. Thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the build-up. Enjoy Russie's no-doubt trolling game as he uh, probably looks to hike things up, crank things up in the coming days in the lead-up to it. Thanks for joining us. And enjoy well, have you podcast. noticed, by the way, he's already yeah. done two press conferences this week. Yeah, yeah. He did Sunday, <laughs> and he's done today already. And someone's already spotted the Razzy Erasmus Twitter account. He's now following the England rugby official account so he's clearly keeping an eye on everything Razzie is taking this personal trolling to a whole new level 
He is fantastic. So are you. All the best, mate. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.